What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Here we go, three, two, one. This is Cale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Pomero, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon, thrilled to be back with you and doubly thrilled to be chatting once again with one of my all-time favorite folks. You, of course, remember her decade-plus long run, writing under the pen name Marlena Delacroix as Soap Opera Weekly's chief critic back in the golden days of that publication's existence. And she's recently resurrected that persona on a website that bears her gnome de plume. She's making her ninth appearance on this show to talk about whatever's on her mind regarding the wild and woolly world of daytime drama. And I could not be happier to welcome back to Brandon's Buzz for the ninth time, the always enchanting Connie Pasolacqua Heyman. Hi, Brandon. I can't believe I've been on your show nine times, and I've loved being on it every <laughs> single time. You know, I was listening to some of the some of the older conversations this morning, preparing for this conversation, and I couldn't believe it either when I when I saw how many were in my uh, lineup. There, it's quite uh, stunning. We this we're coming into our fourth year of doing this together. Wow, well, thinking fans always get along really well. <laughs> so how have you been, my dear? How's your summer going so far? I'm fine. I'm on vacation from, you know, I teach college and I'm on vacation and I've been uh, working, I've rededicated myself to my blog. So I've been working on that, that and going swimming in the lake a lot. So, very cool. um And you're swimming in Pennsylvania, yes? Yes, in a very bucolic place with a wonderful <laughs> lake where I come up with most of my ideas. Now, tell me how a gal who grew up in an apartment in Queens is adjusting to being a homeowner in Pennsylvania. How is that? And having a yard well, and a garden and all of these all of these uh, new it's, amenities. It's life-changing. Uh, I wish my parents were around to see me because my father always wanted to have a house like the one that we do. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'm taken to the country life. I'm, you know, just like on Green Acres. (laughs) (laughs) Farm living is the life for me. So the quintessential city gal has a rural soul, I guess. Oh, for now. Definitely for now. (laughs) And especially in the summer. (laughs) 
And and how's the weather out there? Are y'all are y'all suffering through the heat wave that most of the rest of the country is? Oh, it's been terrible. I was in the city yesterday. Of course, I took the hottest day of the year to to run around the city, and I I got <laughs> caught in a hailstorm that we've never had hail in Manhattan before, and it was so wow. scary. So tell me, what brings you back to MarlenaDelacroix dot com? What what pulled you back into the uh, the wild world of blogging? Two things. First of all, as I said, I am on my summer vacation from college. And the second thing is I think daytime is so poignant now because it's fighting off the inevitable. And I just find it so compelling to write about the way some shows are really fighting and the dumb shows aren't fighting. So I just think it's a very interesting time, and I really want to be an eyewitness to whatever happens next. Can you get – I mean, you know, you're, you've been at this grind for, good Lord, four or five decades now. Can you get a bead on – on exactly where we <laughs> More are More like three. <laughs> where we're headed, oh, that's the question. I knew this was coming. Where we're headed not to a great place, I don't think. It's one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life, considering I've devoted like 40 years to watching these things and 30 <laughs> years to writing about them. But they are marching off to, I don't know, I hate to say it, but I will be there every moment to document the march. <laughs> Give me your general thoughts on daytime right now. I mean, I mean, we're down to four soaps. As you say, some of them are some of them are, are, are trying to rise to the challenge anyway, and some of them just seem to be marching toward what seems to be an inevitable oblivion. What do you what do you think when you turn on the the tube these days well, in the afternoon hours? When I turn on a soap that I really want to watch, I figure, well, I better savor every moment of it now because maybe it won't be here tomorrow. When I turn on a bad soap, I keep thinking, are they out of their minds? When the chips are down, that's the time to just blow out the house, you know, to just do something really radical to get people's attention or at least to go out in style. And I don't see a lot of that. I see a little of that on certain shows, but two or three of the shows are just so complacent. It's sickening, really. It's really sickening. You know, I suspect I know what most of what you think about the so-called new General Hospital because I suspect that we share the same major reservation about that show. And I'll tell you what I think. I, I generally like what what uh, Frank and Ron are doing over there, and I think it's a massive improvement over what had become the norm over there over the past couple of years. And I particularly love how basically all the storylines are tightly woven together. And, I, you know, I just think that in in terms of basic soap structure and storytelling ability, Ron Carlovati's talent and grasp of classic soap ranks right up there with the best that we've seen. But why does every storyline on that show have to be so damn dark and dreary? Well, I don't know. I guess it's a tradition after Guza. In terms of Mr. Carlovetti, I've been writing about him for a good long time now, especially when he and Frank were on One Life to Live. Absolutely. I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago, which was a general review, and I called it cuddly but problematic. In other words, I love cuddling up to the show every day because it's the last really great soap I like, and there's been such an improvement, and you're right. The writing is classic soap, definitely. But I just have so many reservations about it. It's very, very hard to to watch it, and, you know, you have to turn off a little bit of your mind and your morals to watch it. And, you know, of course, as a critic, I find that very easy to bitch about. <laughs> you know, I, I think between Star Morning for Colin Hope and Sam and the Baby Switch and Johnny Killing Anthony and the Kate and Connie thing and now... Patrick's getting himself strung out on drugs. It's just also uh, just open a vein, dreary. You know, this is the way soaps have evolved, that you've got to do things to get people's attention. And I think that 
now you do it in the negative. And soaps have always done it in the negative, but they're doing so many storylines that are negative. And on one hand, they're negative. On the other hand, they're kind of perversely entertaining. Uh, brilliantly I mean, acted. I mean, I mean, this, this, especially this girl, Kelly Sullivan, she's giving the performance right. of the year. As I said, she just threw herself into it like nobody's business. And for a soap opera actress to really... You know, soap opera acting is about throwing your guts at the screen, and that only happens once in a very great while, and she's really, really done it. I mean, some of those performances as Connie, my namesake, of course, were were just unbelievable. You know, when she reenacted her rape by Joe Scully Jr., wow, I just think that she is just giving it her all, and it actually hurts me a little when people say, They don't like her or she should go, which I just read in somebody's blog. I mean, (laughs) she's terrific. I'm sorry. You know, she is terrific. Uh, Part of the problem is that that for whatever reason, that pairing between Maurice and Megan Ward created such ferocity within within the uh, General Hospital fan base, I guess. And so this new girl coming in, you know, it's been a tough adjustment for some people. But I, I tell you what, the way that they hurled this stuff at her just on the, on the turn of a dime and the way she rose to the challenge has been just breathtaking to to behold. Frank and Ron came in and, and pretty much changed her storyline at the drop of a hat, and she just rose to the challenge. All right, and she's playing against the strongest actor on the show, if not on all of daytime. You know, you've really got to give her the credit. As I said, I just don't see why some people don't like her. I just think she's... I mean, the scenes where she was playing Connie in the mirror... You remember those, right? Yeah, sure. When she was ta- Connie was. Those were just hilarious. They were so hilarious over the top, but she was really good in them. Connie was scary. She was evil personified. And what if you had a Connie like that within you? I mean, how do you deal with that? I mean, we have a you know a Connie right here, but seriously, uh, how do you deal with that person inside you? Because in a sense, we all have a little person like that inside us, some to a greater degree to others. But hers just came out to the surface. Well, and, you know, when you think about the scenes where, at the police station, where Maurice, where Sonny really kind of accepted and embraced the idea for the first time that that this was two women, and he confronted her at the police station in the interrogation room, and they kind of went at it. I mean, those the, they were spine-tingling. The yeah, writing was terrific, the performances you... were spot on, it was, it was just, it was spine-tingling drama. It was, but if you notice, they're making Sonny into a saint now. I mean, he wasn't good enough before as a good murderer or a good mobster, but he is saintly now. I mean, it makes sense that he accepted her because, of course, he's had manic depression his whole life. But he and Todd can't do anything wrong now. They're like, they're supposed to be my new heroes. I've been brainwashed. You know, it's so funny. Roger Howarth, to me, was the revelation of the last few months of One Life to Live's run. I was never a Todd fan, and I don't think you were either, in any of his no, incarnations on was. that show. But now he's even more of a revelation, I think. I mean, he was great at the end of One Life. But what they're doing now with him is just, as I said, I think he's the most entertaining character of the season because he could just do so many things, and they've lightened him up. But, of course, you know, all of a sudden I'm falling for Todd. I hate Todd. I must have written six million words. Yes. And literally three columns called I Hate Todd. So as I wrote in a column very recently, the most entertaining character of the season is its biggest fraud. You know, I... I but I, I love watching him. I mean, he's just fascinating every day. You know, he's just got this gleam in his eye every single day, and he had it as one life wound down, and he's carried it with him even, even uh, larger coming over to Port Charles. 
and they've given him a conscience. Can you believe it? Todd with a conscience? You know, all of a sudden he's protecting uh, Sam. He hired her, and he wouldn't let her picture of her and kissing me in the newspaper. And he even said on the screen last week that he was feeling guilty, guilty, guilty about the baby switch. Todd never felt guilty about anything, especially when he was played by Trevor. But this Todd, who, you know, is not Victor, but the real Todd, I mean, he would never felt guilty about anything, that's for sure. You know, it's so funny to me. This is the same man who walked away from his role in 95 because he objected so strenuously to Michael Malone's very sensitively handled reformation of Todd into a character that, you know, truly had legs as something of a leading man. And yet here he is now seemingly completely at ease with playing Todd as almost lighthearted comic relief. What do you make of this? Is this just an actor, a case of an actor finally getting comfortable in his skin, or is this a case of an actor waking up and realizing this is probably the greatest role he's ever going to get a chance to play? Well, I think it's a case of unemployment. If you're unemployed and this unbelievable role is waiting for you and, you know, you've made such an incredible flesh, you might have grown up a lot. He might have, his family circumstances might have changed. And, you know, as you said, here's this great role. How do you resist it? So I think that, you know, he's really gone through a substantial, I mean, I don't really know him. He never gives interviews. I, I know. Only had one, I've tried. One, I can't tell you how many times of, I've tried. I've only had one kind of dust up with him long distance and when I was writing for Newsday and he knew somebody who wrote for Newsday but you know he keeps away from the public so real, we really don't know what's happening with him personally but he certainly delivered professionally that's for wow. sure. Marlena once called Robin Matson one of the 10 best actresses in soap history and she is still an absolute riot. I think that Ron Carlovetti is in love with her. I really <laughs> do because he's made Heather the whole show. If you notice all roads lead to Heather. She and her cousin Todd are at the root of everything that's happening on the show. And it just bothers me a little because she doesn't really have motivation. She's supposed to be in love with Luke, but who buys that? Come on. You know, we've got three women in love with Luke at the same time. I mean, I love Tony Geary more than anything, but please, you know, even he said give me a break in an interview. But what's her motivation? I mean, the fact that she's crazy isn't enough, I don't think. What do you think? You know, I think I, th- I think that, and I think it's solely because of Robin. Robin always plays that she loves her son and that she wants to be with her son, and that's what I think her motivation. You know, I have major problems with the fact that this criminal lunatic is allowed to just roam about town as she pleases without anybody batting an eye, particularly her well, doctor son, who we seem to be a quite intelligent man and discerning judge of well, character. I call him a tan schlemiel. He's just a good guy, and this is so... Of course, she's going to outsmart him, but... <laughs> As far as Robin Matson goes, of course she's played one of the greatest villainesses of all time. And she was, I don't know if you're old enough to remember her first run as Heather, but she was just amazing. And everything she's done since then has been just stellar. I mean, she was on All My Children and Ryan's Hope and Guiding Light and so many other shows. Of course, Gina, who could forget? Mm -hmm. But um, as I said, I really do think that they are getting to the point where they're almost overusing her. We all know that Mr. Carlovetti likes to write camp and stuff, but (laughs) I really think that the whole show is basically tipped towards her now. What do you think? Quite frankly, you know, getting back to where we started this conversation, I wish there were a little more camp on General Hospital. I mean, he was... He always had such a great light comic touch on one life, and he would balance out the pathos with the comedy a little bit. And and he's not really, I don't know if if it's just a fact of they're dancing as fast as they can to keep General Hospital afloat, and so they're just throwing everything they have at it or what. But 
I wish they weren't so afraid to throw in a little bit more of the of the light comic touch. Don't you think that Todd is hilarious every day? I, <laughs> I mean, they've made him very, very funny. And no one on that show really has a record of being funny, you know. I mean, could you name one other funny person on that show? Maybe Spinelli. Arguably Spinelli, I but... I can't think of anyone else. I mean, uh, Felicia had some madcap adventures back in back in the day, but she was never really a, a, a straight comic character. And, you know, the Quartermains had some had some comic relief, too. Oh, the Quartermains were always hilarious. But I think that, I don't know, it's not a comic show. You know, unlike The End of One Life to Live, I just think that even though the two shows are kind of merged now, that that's one of the things about General Hospital is it always has to be dark and dreary. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I really do see the comedy now. I guess I disagree with you. I'll tell you what I love about Roger, though. He has chemistry with everybody. He he shines with Laura Wright. He shines with Kelly Monaco. He shines with Robin. He shines with Kathy DePilo when she pops over. Of course, Florencia was popping back and forth. He really, oh, yeah. he really can, can make gold with everybody he acts with. Oh, God, remember what he used to do with Erica Slezak? You bet. No you know? question. I mean, they had such a weird relationship as brother and sister, you know, and he always did fantastically with her. He could definitely adapt himself to anyone. I don't know if you saw our scene last week, but Heather, of course, is blackmailing Todd, and one of the things she did is she sent Todd to the cabin, you know, where, did you see that, where Lucas being hostage and Todd came to see him and he was wearing a hockey mask? It's a spine-tingling scene. I won't tell you what happens, but he goes in and he, he's very tempted to rescue Luke. And you just think, oh, my God, Tony Geary and Roger Howarth in the same scene, you know. I once wrote that having Maurice Bernard and Roger Howarth in the same scene was like Frankenstein meets Dracula. But this definitely was like Frankenstein meets King Kong. You could see the writers, like, winking at you through the camera. You bet. And, you know, Roger and Maurice were great together. I don't, I'm not sure why they dropped that because that was, I mean, this was, you know, two great titans kind of coming up against each other like two grams. Well, I'm sure they'll bring them back together. I mean, you know, I'm sure that they know what the great scenes are. I think that, as I said, they're just so busy shining Sonny's halo at the moment. But I definitely think there'll be more <laughs> of Roger and everyone. I can't wait to see more of Roger and Tony, to tell you the truth. I mean... As I said, that just like, wow. And I tell you what, I love Todd and Carly together. I think Roger and Laura Wright, are, you know, she brings out a whole other side of him that, you know, even though we're talking about all these sides that we've never seen, she brings out a whole other side of him that we've never seen before. Well, as I wrote, les miserables, the miserables <laughs> deserve each other. They really do. I'm not a Carly fan. I know, I know. And at least this rendition of Carly. But I do think that, as you say, that she does bring out a different side to him. But now Blair's in town. I love Cassie DePive. I think she's great. I think she should be on the show full time. So I can't wait to see some more of those scenes. Remember they had the bar scenes when they got to know each other, Carly you and bet. Blair? And they were great. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I hope they're real smart and they keep Cassie. And, you know, Blair and Todd, if I, if memory serves, Marlena was the first person who really picked up on the fact that they were a classic soap coupling. Oh, thank you. I didn't remember that. I had a best friend at the time who was still a friend of mine, Leone, the New York Times correspondent who was in love with Todd, and she also recognized that, that Todd and Blair were great together. I'm ready to see yet another rendition of Todd and Blair. And Carly is the spoiler. I mean, what more could you ask for? You bet. A perfect triangle. I can't wait to see what they're going to do. I mean, as I said, the bitch scenes are just going to be great. You know, Cassie is so good because she could do both the sweet scenes 
and the bitchy scenes, and you know, this is just going to be the bitchathon beyond <laughs> all bitchathons. You know, you mentioned Leone, and she was such a fan of of the so called dark Todd. Have you talked to her about this incarnation of Todd and, well, and about Roger Howard? She performances? hasn't. She, I, she she just got a new job, so she ha, I don't think she's seen him. Gotcha. But I'm sure she would love it. She was just so into Todd, and I could never understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I just never, ever got it. <laughs> and she worked for the New York Times, so you know what I'm saying. I mean, she knew she was she's a smart gal. So what do you make of what's happening in Genoa City? What, what's going on on Young and the Restless? Oh, Young and the Restless is such a drag. I feel so sorry for the actors you know, on that show. They have such a great veteran cast. They've got some of the all-time greats on that show. and the Arguably the best cast so- in daytime. Right, and the scripts are just dull, dull, dull. I mean... In the old days, when Bill Bell did the same old, same old thing, he always found new ways to do it, which I've talked about in one of my columns where I reviewed Michael Maloney's new biography of Bill Bell. But Maria, or who's ever writing the show now, cannot find new ways to do anything. It's just the old ways over and over again. Phyllis is in trouble. Sharon is stupid. That kind of thing. It's really like, could this really be the number one show? You know, it seems like they are... I mean, it's sad to say resting on their laurels, but it seems like that's exactly what they're doing. They're just taking for granted the fact that they have been number one for, what, 20-plus years. They they uh, they must think by now that, that they are, I don't know if it's that harsh, but, but I mean, a certain part of them must feel as though they're entitled to that number one slot, regardless of what they put on the air. The management might think that. I don't know, but I'm sure the actors don't think that. You know, they really haven't really been given all that much to play. I mean, there's yeah. really the actors, you know, think of Debbie Morgan. Think of what a great actress she is. And Harmony is an okay character. I mean, nothing, you know, there's really nothing special about the character. And look, you know, now they have Darnell Williams. My God, when they come on the screen, I want to cry for all my children, you know. But look at so poor Jeannie Francis. I mean, uh, she's been right, floundering exactly. with this character since she hit the air. Exactly. And even, you know, the people who have been on the show forever, like Peter Bergman and Gene Melody. Cooper. Melody, of course, as I wrote. Without Melody, they don't have a show. Seriously, when she wasn't on the show, it was dullness. And I never realized how really dependent that show is on her and how really good she is. That's another person who I never ever said to myself, oh, she's great, until she left. And then it was like, she really left a big void. And now they're talking, I just read there are new rumors that Eric Braden might go again. I mean, they're really, I wouldn't say they're in trouble, but, you know, it's like, I don't understand, I guess it's all in the family that Maria Bell is part of the Bell family or whatever, but I just don't understand why they're keeping the writers there. You know, I think, and and you alluded to this in, in a recent column, I think that part of the problem is the fact that Maria is serving as basically the de facto executive producer and the head writer. And so right. there's, well, there's not that push-pull resistance in terms of crafting the show because there's one person in charge of all of it, of all the factions of the show. Well, Bill Bell was in charge of everything down to, you know, who was picking their noses that day. Seriously, I really do recommend that anybody who's interested in Young and Restless read this book. I think it's a a must-read, although they don't say not one bad thing about Mr. Bell in the book, not that there's a bad thing to say about Mr. Bell. You just see what they're missing now. I mean, he literally could just milk a character for like 20 years, which I think he learned from Erna Phillips when he when he, he was her intern, so to speak. 
And now, as I said, you know, you just get Phyllis is in trouble. You know, today Phyllis was arrested for that long ago when she attempted to run over Paul and Cricket on their wedding day. And, I mean, that happened 20 years ago. It's a really great storyline, but Phyllis just lost a baby, you know, not that long ago. I mean, this girl gets, gets has a new disaster every month. I'm totally with you. It's a brilliant use of history, and, you know, I think that's fantastic. But And this is nothing against Michelle Stafford, who can also play anything she has given and make it fly. But I don't feel an ounce of sympathy for Phyllis in this or in her ever eternal dealings with Nick and Sharon. I just don't feel an ounce of sympathy for Phyllis. I don't know if it's the way well, they're writing it, but I just no, don't it's, feel... No, there's too much of her. It's just too... You know, you could keep throwing the same character over and over again, but you you have to give them a little something different to play. They do that with Michael Mulney all the time. I mean, he plays Adam. He's eternally conflicted about whether he's a good or bad guy. And somehow he makes it interesting with no storyline. Michelle Stafford could do anything. And I really think it's the writing and not Michelle. You know, I tend to agree with that just because, as you said about Sonny and Todd, they're trying to make her the saintly character right now, and she never was that. And that's not the place that she ever should hold on the show, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, she was, you know, she was always the good villainess, so to speak. And, you know, that's kind of like a stock character on self. But as I said, she didn't have a miscarriage and get kicked in the teeth every month, you know? It's a little bit much. If anything, she was the one kicking other people in the teeth. That's definitely for sure. I love when she was the editor on Restless Style. You know, that's the kind of editor I was. <laughs> She was out to get everyone, and now they're going to get her, and, you know, they're going to have her profiles. But I just love when she was the editor. She reminded me of, not really myself, I'm just kidding, but a lot of editors that I have dealt with in the past, let me tell you. You know, you mentioned Michael Maloney's book. I had him in here at the end of May, just before the book was released, to talk about it. And and uh, I got to read an advanced copy, and, and I'm right with you. It's a completely fascinating, completely illuminating history of Bill Bell, and, and you especially get to learn about his relationship with Erna and, and about oh, his very whole, early career. I mean, stuff that stuff that I had never heard or, or seen or read before. Especially that rumor that he and Erna was having an affair. <laughs> I've never heard of anything so ridiculous in my life. <laughs> Mr. Bell was like the straight, you know, like, like the most normal of the normal guys, and Erna was the craziest of the most brilliant crazy. So, you know, but they were together literally in her apartment for 10 years. And you know, I loved how I, lo- I loved how Michael talked about how Erna really thought that, first of all, thought that Days of Our Lives was going to be canceled, and that you know Y&R would never work, and that he was going to come back into her fold, and it didn't quite work out that way. But but that that was what Erna was kind of banking on when she let him go. Egos, you know, you don't get to be a brilliant creator of a whole genre unless you have an ego. And, you know, all the greats, I could tell you that, have an ego. I mean, if you want, I can tell you this one by one about each of the ones that I've known, which is just about everyone. But you have to have an ego to to take over yourself. You've got to think that you are the best. Even Agnes, who is like the most motherly, wonderful woman in the world, they think they are the best. And usually they can and are the best. But there's nothing more pathetic than people who think they're the best and the worst. If you want me to name one or two people, I can, but I don't think I'll do it right here, right now. <laughs> well, we won't talk about that head writer that called me up and screamed bloody murder about a soap that she wrote when I gave her a bad review and treated me like I was her maid. No, 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 we will not name her. 
or the producer who literally pulled me out of an anniversary party of his soap that I attended. I never knew I could be so so famous. <laughs> it's so funny. As you wrote in, in one of your early critical condition columns, you, you talked about how when you said something great, Marlena got all the credit, but when you said something horrible, you got all the blame. The mag- oh, yeah, and the magazine, they used to go crazy because they would get the blame, too. So <laughs> they tried to remedy that by bringing on other critics, but no one could match me. <laughs> she said modestly. She says modestly and still believes it, by the way. So, Days of Our Lives, here we go again with another writing team and another reboot. I know that you've had issues and tangles with him in the past, but what is Ken Corday thinking about these days? Oh, I don't know. I read his book, too, recently. Who knows what Ken is thinking of? And, you know, I'm ready to forgive and forget my little dealings with Ken. I'm sure he'll never, you know, I can't see him doing that for me. But all he's thinking of, and this is the theme of his book, is holding on to that show and making sure that show never dies. And I think in a lot of ways, one of the reasons that that show has continued is because of his stubbornness to have that show continue. He's a tough guy. But, you know, we hear whispers, we hear rumors that he doesn't really have that much hands-on control over the day-to-day process of running that show. Do you do you think that that is at all, there's any validity to that at all, or do you think that he is there every day? I don't know, but they have an excellent producer there now, you know, Lisa DeCosette, you know, who mm-hmm. was, was the producer of Passions, and she learned her craft under Paul at One Life to Live, and she is one dynamite producer and a really nice girl, but or a nice woman, excuse me. But she really does well, and they have this guy, Greg Mang, who's the executive in charge of production, and he seems to be very, very active also. And they're bringing back Gary Tomlin, who knows from uh, this genre. I mean, he's done it forever. Oh, they are. Oh, they are bringing him back. I, I uh, they're bringing him back as as one of the as one of the uh, the head writers. So. Well, I don't know how great that is. I mean, he's always gotten kind of mixed reviews, so I really don't know how great that is. But you could see that the show is definitely a show in transition. I heard they're going to blow up the whole show just before the Olympics. You know, they're going off the air for yes. two weeks, and they're just going to blow up the whole show on the Friday before. <laughs> So do you think Ken at all regrets dumping the writers that ultimately ended up winning him his first writing Emmy? The, the show was brought home in something like three decades? No. You know, they had that wonderful storyline about the coming out story, and he had a great story on his hands. He, I'm sure he was very proud, even though he did look kind of stupid. Especially for writing. That show is never well written. I mean, you know, it depends on what you call writing. I mean, when Jim wrote it, it was really well written. And when Bill Bell wrote it, it was one of the best things you've ever seen. But um, that show never, ever, ever won. You know, I never think of it as well written. Well, I tell you, I'm not qualified at all to speak of The Bold and the Beautiful because I haven't watched that show regularly in many, many years. But is there anything you want to say about what's going on in, in Los Angeles? Well, you know, they're kind of overcome with one triangle, Liam, Steffi, and, oh, my God, why did I forget her name? Hope. Hope, that's right. I always forget her name. I don't know why, because I guess there are so many hopes on daytime. But, you know, they've taken up the whole show, and I've never seen anyone dominate a show so much. And you remember, it's only a half-hour show. So if you've got these people, you know, down your throat all the time, what do you do? And also, in a way, it's a predictable triangle. You know, everybody, you know, the two women love Liam. But in a way, it's unpredictable because they do a lot of things with it, like they let Steffi grow up, which is one thing they never let Erica Kane do. And, you know, she actually let Liam get married. And 
I don't know. I was actually watching it today, and they actually do have, like, a couple of other storylines, but they're just not on very often. You know, this one storyline, Liam Steffi and Hope is eating up the show. I know that Brad has tried over the years to to fold in other storylines besides, you know, Stephanie and Eric and, and, and you know, Ridge, and Ridge, Taylor Brooke. And he's always failed. Why did this one catch fire, do you think? Well, I think that, you know, he's written it to catch fire. I think that they've put basically all they've had into the story, and they certainly have a great tradition with Brooke and Ridge and Taylor, who are really a great, great triangle. So I think that this was all very carefully managed and very, you know, all three actors are okay, and Scott Clifton is certainly a great actor, and... It is an eternal triangle. That's what soap operas are about, you know, the two people vying over one other person. It's really classic soap opera. Sometimes I watch it with the sound off because, you know, it's so obvious the heroine has blonde hair and the villainess has dark hair. I mean, you don't even have to know what they're saying to know what's going on. You know, I uh, I haven't seen the last week or so of Hollywood Heights because I have direct TV and they're involved in a ridiculous pissing match with Viacom over the carriage of their channels, and so they've been blocked out, uh, Nickelodeon among them. But uh, I had watched every episode from the beginning, and it was slow going at first, but I've ended up loving it. And it's also frothy and and innocent and, and even a little bit juvenile, but it's all about things that we can all relate to, you know, chasing our dreams and falling in love right. and, and proving and to our parents we're worth a damn. And, you know, there's nary a gun or a rapist or a total psycho in sight. Exactly. Have you been watching? Exactly. I watched the first week or so, and I gave it a review because I think it's really interesting that Jill Farron Phelps is producing because we've all been so tough on Jill, <laughs> you know, when she was on General Hospital because of her cooperation with Guzzo. But Jill is a brilliant producer. The reason that she's been employed for 30-plus straight years on South is that she's really good at what she does. No question about it. Really coming out on Hollywood Heights, and Josh Griffiths, this is his baby, and uh, he's really betting so much on this show. And, of course, they have James Franco on. I mean, how, did you see Franco? How was he? You know what? He he. They haven't really shown him much yet. He's just kind of on the outskirts of the story, but, but uh, as ever, he's a fascinating actor. He is a fascinating actor of the biggest ego in the world, but um, I'm glad that Hollywood Heights is getting a lot of publicity. I know that my friend Ed Martin, who writes for Huffington Post, had seen the pilot, and he really liked it, and he told me about it, and he recommended that I watch it. And he did a really positive review of it, too. So There was one in the New York Times last weekend, uh, just a, almost a love letter to the show. I mean, it was really amazing that it, that it had reached Great. that level. Great. And also, I think today, Rosie O'Donnell came out and said, oh, my kids love this show. They think it's the greatest thing in the world. So I'm really happy for Josh and for Jill. Really happy for them. Poor Jill's got the worst publicity in the world for General Hospital. And even I, who knows her back to Santa Barbara, I was writing some really, really negative things about her. Like, how could she cooperate with the misogyny of the show? So at least she's free of that now. I completely agree with what you said about the show. It has good soap bones. And, you know, as I said, it's, it's all very innocent and very frothy, but at heart, it's about things that we can all relate to, and that's why I think people are responding to it increasingly. I love the mothers and the fathers because they really love their kids, you know, and they're not like naggy like they are on daytime. And I just, you know, they have lives, you know, they have both lives, and I think that's just so commendable. You know, we've got the single mother and the father who's of the central character, and they've really gone out of their way to make it viewing for the entire family. And the new Dallas, have you been watching that? 
I watched the first couple of episodes. I always think that's a guy show. I don't know why. I guess because they've got Larry Hagman and Patrick Duffy. But I know it's the world's biggest hit, and I think it was so unlikely that bringing it back would be a great hit. But I'm really happy for them. I know that when I first saw the opening credits, which were the same as the original show, oh, that was really spine tingling. You know, I could sing the song for you now, but I don't want to offend anybody's ears. You know. <laughs> And also, they have good actors on that show. Certainly, Jesse Metcalf is a big teen idol. I saw him on, on. I think it, I saw him on on a talk show yesterday, and they were just like, I think it was Good Afternoon America, and the little girls were just like falling all over him. You know, they certainly got some strong people in their cast. I don't think Jesse Metcalf is the greatest actor, but he certainly is good looking. You bet. You know, I uh, I'm a fan of the show. I, I uh, the original show was a little more. What's the right word? Family-centric. I mean, you got a feeling on the original show that family, in the end, with all the machinations and all the, the you know, the plot-driven whatever, that family, in the end, would win out. And, and you don't get the sense watching this show that it's quite the same. It's a little bit more of a strident tone on this show, I think. Times have changed in television. Strident is, you know, think of General Hospital being yeah, of course. very strident is what sells, I guess, now. I haven't seen enough of it to comment, but that show was always about competition, 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 and I, I, it seems like it's about that now. Is, is that true? You know, this new show, everybody's kind of double-crossing everybody, it seems like, except for Bob. I mean, Bobby's the saint, but other than Bobby, everybody else has kind of a deep, dark secret, and everybody else seems to be either blackmailing somebody or double-crossing somebody or stabbing in the back or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's a little more strident, as I said, than I remember the original show being. I remember the original right. show being being much more at heart about, you know, the dynamics of family. And this one really doesn't quite have that. It's very good, this well, this new reboot, whatever, this new uh, version, but it's but just they don't a little more... But that show, Miss Ellie, who was always all about Miss Family, has been dead a long time. Yes. She's the one that kept that family together. And you know they haven't really moved somebody into that matriarch slot. I mean they've they've moved Bobby into kind of the jock role, but they they uh, you know they've given him a, yo- a younger wife, and so it doesn't have that same that same matriarch at the center of it the way the original did. You know the first episode when he came out of his depressed coma or whatever it was when when he started talking to his son it was like wow. <laughs> I mean Jr. was the biggest thing in the world. I mean I don't, I don't know if you remember that, but he was bigger than anything. That's where they got Asa from. You know I was always and I and I suspect you were too. I was always a bigger fan of Knott's Landing, and and I'm wondering if the fervor over this Dallas reboot might inspire somebody to take a look at Knott's Landing again and and oh I love reboot Knott's that Landing. in a similar way. Knott's Not Landing was the greatest. It was such a great show. Oh that would be great. I'd love that. Yeah Michelle Lee and Kevin Dobson and Joan Van Ar. I mean that would be it would just be fantastic to to see those yeah, people again. All- Kevin Dobson was just beyond the pale as, you know, on that show. He was just. He was such a hero, and you really admired him, and that's the kind of guy that they don't really have on shows anymore. And Michelle Lee was great, and Joan Van Ark was just so flaky. And she Donna Mills great. and Bill Devane. Donna Mills. Bill Devane, my God. How, how fantastic <laughs> is he? I saw him in a play in New York when I was 16 years old. I saw him in the original One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And here he is. He just almost ran away with that show. I really do hope they bring it back. I hadn't really even thought of that, but I think this, it's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly this week, so that should draw a lot of attention to it. You know, I think it would be great. It's such a, you know, this whole this whole idea of the nighttime serial and, you know, going back there once a week, it, it, it's, 
I know that in its prime it was overexposed, but it, you know it really was. It, it was something that captured the attention of hundreds of millions of viewers worldwide, and and you know it's. I think it's time to revisit that idea of of you know creating these worlds that we can go back to week on week and and you know really you know with the rise okay. of Breaking Bad and The Sopranos and you know all these hit shows that are basically soap operas in the vein of what a Dallas was a generation ago, you know it, it's good that we're revisiting this idea. But what's happening to daytime? The best of it is going. I mean, that's what's so ironic, don't you think? Part of me wonders if the fact that the rise of things like Grey's Anatomy and The Good Wife and, you know, Glee and, and you know, all these Breaking Bad, all these great primetime shows. Continuing, right. If that's where people decided to get their soap fix, and that's why, that's a big part of the reason why daytime's dying on the vine, because, you know, these new shows have become so innovative and so... They've taken the great tenets of continuing drama and, you know, folded them into these new shows. And, and, you know, daytime has always stayed kind of, you know, very staid and very rigid and very, you know, uh, monochromatic in their thinking. And that's why it's dying on the vine before our eyes. Well, that's a brilliant insight, Brandon. I really think that's very, very, very smart. And also, I think that a lot of people who grew up on daytime are now grown up and are only around to watch nighttime soaps. You know, they remember the great, you know, remember when Luke and Laura got to be so big, that's when so many kids started watching daytime, and those kids are granddads by now. <laughs> not me, of course, but <laughs> not Marlena. But, you know, who has time for an hour a day? I mean, who has time for it in this in this age? That's true. I'm I mean, it's such a massive time. investment. I know, and people, as I said, and people are online all the time. I mean, you know, you walk down the street in Manhattan, and all you see is people with their phones and their you you know, little mini mini computers, and you know, and no one is sitting in front of a TV anymore, just sitting there. I mean, I thought that we pioneered the aspect of watching five different soaps at a time. <laughs> now people do, you know, 50 million things when they're watching TV. They do everything but watch TV. <laughs> You know, I think it's a scary time for TV, or and but you know, good things come out of scariness. You know, it, it, you wrote a column a, a while back about the Kardashian girls and that show, and and oh uh, god, know. I got such bad feedback on that. <laughs> <laughs> People hated that I did it. You know, it's so funny though. You said that that was one way that you were getting your soap fix in this new age, and I have to confess that you asked how we were getting our soap fix, and one way that I'm getting mine these days, post One Life to Live, which was my favorite show is following the uh, the 2012 presidential election. In, 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 in times when That's I used to have SoapNet on, on TV at all times, now I have MSNBC on at all times, and I just follow every twist and turn of this ridiculous campaign. Well, and that's it's, it's, good. I'm glad that you're doing it because my college <laughs> students are not into it at all, so and they don't even want to vote. So I admire very much that you're doing it, and it is very soap opera-esque, definitely. I definitely agree, and, and certainly the candidates who are running are great characters, that's for sure. Such fascinating characters, and there, there seems to be a plot twist a day, whether it's corporate intrigue or, or, you know, personal problems or what have you. Yeah, the press is having a great time. I teach this in my journalism class all the time because there's always something happening. But when reality outstrips daytime, <laughs> we're in big trouble. <laughs> the Chew I don't really watch very much anymore because I know how to cook. You know, they're teaching me things I know, like how to peel an onion. I know that. I know that. 
By the way, Brandon, I hate to interrupt, but have you seen my blog? You know, Marlene has been refreshed. I don't know if you've seen the new design. I, yes. I just wanted to. Oh, okay. I just wanted to remind the audience that you know to show that I'm rededicating myself to my blog. I actually went out and had some work done. If you get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I took a look at it today, and it, 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 it's a it's a beautiful new design. I, I mean, I kind of miss the Marlene caricature at the top, but but it's a it's she it's a very. I think she'll return. Everybody loves that the caricature. So. But I mean, it's, it's very pleasing to the eye. This this new this new uh, refreshed redesign of your site. Well, as I said, the old girl really needed it. Marlena, the cartoon Marlena, is off having herself glammed up. You know, the before and after look. <laughs> so, what's on the horizon for Connie Heyman? What's what's coming down the pike for the rest of the summer? Being in the lake, basically, and blogging. I've really never written as much. You know, I'm really trying to do like two or three times a week, and I'm trying to really establish a Sunday anchor. I've come to realize that a lot of people that nobody else posts on Sunday, <laughs> nobody else wants to work, wake up that early on a Sunday morning, so I'm really trying to do something called Sunday Reflections, which is kind of like my reflections on the week. But I just see a lot of writing for the summer. You know, I love to write, and I'm a writer, and I haven't really written, especially in the blog, in a long time. So I see a lot more of Marlena coming up. Well, I'll tell you what, it is fabulous to have you back. We have we have long missed you, and... We need you more than ever in this in this uh, very cloudy age that is unfolding oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> before you. us. Thank you. I just want everybody to read, that's all. I mean, I know that there are many other soap sites now, and there are so many people who are, you know, doing soaps, but I just want everybody to come home to Marlena. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I am thrilled that you're back, as I said, and, and I appreciate you popping in here for a ninth time of rambling conversation, and, and uh, I completely adore you, you know that, and, and I... I thank you so much well, for an hour of your of your afternoon. Well, I could do it for hours on end. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> As could so, I. You are the absolute best. You, and, my darling, you know, are the absolute I, best. I am just riding no, on your coattails. Linda Dano says that at the beginning of your show, so I agree <laughs> with Linda, who, by the way, is the best too. But not as good as you. But, you know, I, I just adore you, and I love your letters. They just make me laugh. And I'm just, I just know you're, you're, you and all your listeners are out there reading, and I hope that they enjoy reading my column as much as I enjoy being on Brandon's Buzz. We absolutely do. One more time, MarlenaDelacroix.com. Go leave comments and read the brilliant work of this magnificent woman we're talking to, Connie Pasolacco-Hayman. Thank you so much for popping in here for a ninth time. Well, thank you, Brandon, and we'll have a tenth time, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely, and a twentieth and a thirtieth. Right. Okay. Bye, bye. <laughs> thank you so much, the magnificent Th- Connie Pasolacco-Hayman, everybody. Brandon's buzz in the can. One more time. If you're listening, you already know how to find the show. But in case you don't, three places online: BlogTalkRadio.com/slash Brandon's Buzz is home base. It's mission control for this show. From there. You can listen to the show. You can see what's coming up on the show, what has been on the show. You can download past episodes. It really is home base for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me at my own blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There at the top of any page is a blue button marked radio. That takes you to a full radio archive of every episode of this show. This is episode number 90. This and all previous 89, all available in the radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. Uh, you can also find me on iTunes, guys. I'm on iTunes. Just type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can download individual old episodes of the show as podcasts, 
or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the store. So I'm all, all over the place online. Uh, just Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and I promise you something will pop up that points you in my direction. And as always, I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind. So spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show. And you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it hey out. Hey guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it Better when you live on a street of dreams Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be Hi everybody, this is Nicholas Walker, merci à vous tous Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio Bonsoir et à très bientôt Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.